This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Our number two of the program, we're underway. This hour brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots, and decor, and the greenest grass. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They got you covered. Frank Sarah Valley coming up. Flames game day. Get your helmet on. Three games remain. Then a weekend of... No hockey. Well, there's 15 games on Friday. Whoa. Whoa. You think tonight's good? Oh, yeah. Who's the lucky team Whoa. that doesn't get to play? Well, on two Friday. of them. Yeah. Two of them. Or three. Dean? What? Stay in your lane. Huh? Oh, there's Seattle. Seattle. He's got a chance. Oh, got a, uh, uh, Hartford? Is Hartford playing? Hartford's not playing. Uh, Birmingham? Uh, uh, so yeah, tonight, what is up for grabs? The, uh, I mean, f- so many, uh, clinching scenarios. You're so excited, hey? Well, it's, this is a, th- come on. This is a, the final week of the season. We got to find out who's playing whom. That sort of deal. Yeah. So Friday, we'll figure that out. Uh, the Predators with, they can control their own fate. Oh, an eighth straight postseason berth. That's not too shabby. Eight in a row. Eighth Poyle, settle down. Yeah, eighth and uh, nine of 11 or something like that. I think I read the other day. Either way, well done. If they can win in regulation against the Flames, that's one of five scenarios by which Nashville would clinch. Would you like to hear the others? No, but you're going to tell me anyway. Um, (laughs) If they defeat Calgary in regulation, or... You, you, you say, when I point to you, you say or. If they defeat Calgary in overtime and Vegas falls to defeat, uh, fails to defeat Dallas in regulation. Or. If they defeat Calgary in a shootout and Vegas fails to defeat Dallas in regulation or overtime. Or. If they get one point versus Calgary and Vegas loses to Dallas in any fashion. Or if Vegas loses to Dallas in regulation. I'm glad we did that. Me too. But you see that chemistry? I would point, then you'd say, or like it's, it's it was confusing because there was an or that you had to say. Yeah, and I then know. I had to yeah. say an or right after. In regulation or overtime. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh the stars will clinch if they beat Vegas in regulation. That's I mean, that's a big one. We know Nashville's getting in. Who do they play? We'll find out. But if the Vegas Golden Knights see their season end tonight, Ooh. I would guess there have been there would have been a few that would have seen them as the a cup finalist, if not a favorite to win it. And that's before the Eichel deal, right? Or or so what happens there? Is it is well, it one I, of those I things where you gets just pass because of the injuries? It's COVID. There's injuries. Everyone had COVID. It's not COVID. It's injuries. No one else is getting a pass if their team sucked this year. This team was hurt all year. Well, it wasn't. Uh, remember, it's they're going to miss the playoffs by. A, it's still they had ninety points. That's my point. It's not so a, how good would they have been if they had yeah. a healthy roster? They, they might win the division. 
does it still feel like there's something not quite right? I think it's easy to say that because they're going to miss. But again, there might be something a little off, but when they're healthy, they're fine again. Like, I just look at the talent. Their top nine is spooky. They've got really good defensemen. Robin Leonard, when he's healthy, has been what? Up for a Vesna two of the last three years? Has he been? Yeah. So Does that continue? Well, not if he's hurt, but if he gets right, I would think it's not unrealistic to think he can be a top five to ten goal in the league. Yeah. It there there's a few things that just didn't work out that at the time seemed like how can't this work out? Bringing in Robin Leonard, five million dollars. But again, it, 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 it doesn't mean it didn't work. He's hurt. I'm just saying this year. Yeah. So so I just think for looking forward, we have to say what was a a bad decision and what was bad luck and bad fortune. Because I would have been one of the ones, I am guessing, that took Vegas to win the West. Everyone or to be did. there. Someone posted the predictions on ESPN. They had like 40 people doing it. One Oilers pick, one Flames pick, everyone else Golden Knights. Stone, Pacioretty, Carlson, Marcia So. They had, you lose Tuck, you bring in Eichel, Petrangelo, Martinez, Shea, Theodore. You know, Theodore is the one guy who's kind of avoided all of the been great. the banana peels that they've had this year. He's been outstanding. Braden McNabb, uh, he signed. He's you know, not bad, a little contract extension there. But yeah, for Robin Leonard, it was rough year. Multiple injuries. You still think that that would be a team that would find a way. And I guess we're in the final week of the season and they're right there. So how, how close or how far are they out? I'm I'm with you. I think if you this should be good next year. If you get to the end of this season and you have a have a summer, not sure what they have, what ability they would have to do in UFA, right? Probably not a whole lot to do. You've got to just pay the guys that you've got there. All of a sudden, uh, not no one really leaving. Matthias Janmark, UFA, Nicholas Waugh, Keegan Colasar, their two RFAs. But outside of that, pretty much everybody is back for next season. Yeah, the, the, the mistake have they could make time. is over tinkering, and they've been yeah. really happy to tinker. You'd have a hard time not looking at that team because I think some of the others, you look at what uh, Calgary potentially could could lose, Colorado kind of in the same spot with uh, Nazem Kadri could leave. They're not really losing anybody in Vegas. They're all coming back. And Leonard is 30, to your point, if he can have, because he's getting shoulder surgery now, and we believe it's a knee, knee, lower body, something or other. Stay off the uh, Hagen Dawes over the summer, you know. It gets hot in Vegas. Mm. And uh, maybe they maybe go. probably going back to Sweden. Maybe. You don't know that, though. But that is, uh, that could be done. The, the one thing that we all kind of, wouldn't it be crazy? The wouldn't it be crazy can be official uh, tonight. Oilers-King series in round one. Uh, pretty close to being set up. Yeah. There again, if Dallas... It's gonna beats happen. Vegas in any fashion. Um, home ice and that's it. Could be Tuesday, right? They also would would start on Tuesday. No, no, they would not run the Flames and Oilers out on the same night. They would probably start Monday. Yeah. Now building availability is a thing. Yeah, but if Hockey Night has a say, and I'm sure they do, our our bosses at Sportsnet, you have three Canadian teams. You don't want them playing at the same time, and we do believe it is Tuesday. For the Flame series. It's been suggested as such for about a week. Yeah. The Panthers can clinch the President's Trophy 
if they beat Boston tonight, and I don't, that's never happened, has it? Florida, they've never won the President's Trophy. No. I doubt it. I mean, it's it's weird. You'd think it would correlate to success more. It's almost like a curse you get that President's Trophy. It's like, well, well they're not going to win, no. It is. First time President's Trophy could be, uh, could be nailed down tonight. And really what matters is, okay, you got home ice. That's... You, you might need it if you got Tampa in a best of seven, right? All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hmm? I'm, just, I'm just looking at uh, – I'm excited for this, uh, this evening's – Edmonton LA uh, is at 99%, so that's happening. Got this evening's uh, – the matchups. A lot of hockey. A lot of hockey coming up. The, uh, the Flames, meanwhile – what will they do as far as a roster is concerned? They have the, uh, the availability to move some bodies around. They have a couple guys in the blue line. One shoots left, one shoots right. You want to move some guys in and out? Fair enough. Probably the back-to-back. You wonder if they do go mostly the every-night roster tonight, and then, and you, then mix, you, back-to-back. you mix a back-to-back. Some of you play, some of you don't, that sort of thing. Maybe a night off. Uh, I'm not sure how... Their series, because the Heat are off. We talked about this yesterday. They've avoided that first round best of three scenario. And uh, we'll have some buy. So you could maybe got to buy. Maybe get some guys up. I don't know. The emergency uh, recall situation, that sort of thing, either way. Um, Predators 4 0 1 in their last five versus the Flames. Yet the Flames in Nashville 4 0 2 in their last six. So there's, uh, Mm. there is that. But we talked about it earlier. Interesting that uh, for the Predators, 35 wins in regulation, six in overtime, three in the shootout. I don't know what if that if that means a whole lot, but you start to get because by now you can just look at the standings. Well, what are you? 40, 94 points, Flames 108. All right. Well, if you face in the playoffs, regardless of what Daryl's going to tell you. They're going to be favored. Yeah, you got to find that Daryl Sportsbook. You'll be able to get the Flames as dogs elsewhere. They'll be favored heavily. <laughs> Yeah, which there's so many of them now, right? Is it just, uh, you just got to bet uh, four, four, five, nine. Catch or him in his it, truck uh, on the way out of the lot and just say, hey, I know uh, I, I'm liking my odds yeah. that, that you're telling me they're dogs. I'll take you straight up. I'll, you know what? You tell me they're dogs. I'll just take it straight up. Daryl, I bet you 100 bucks Flames in the series. And then he'll take the bet, right? I'm not sure. He no, would, he wouldn't take he, that bet. Well, you know, he may get in trouble with Batman. That's true. You don't right? want Batman on you for wagering. Get in trouble. Uh, the penalty kill right now has uh, has let Nashville down a little bit. Six power play goals in their last four games. Mm-hmm. But as you said, played some uh, pretty good teams. Played some really late. good teams of late. They got wall up there by... Tampa. Like Tampa scored two against them. Minnesota caught them in overtime. St. Louis blasted their doors off with that seven-goal second period two weekends ago. Mm-hmm. Edmonton blanked them. Roman Yossi leads NHL defensemen and is tied for 12th in the NHL in points. He has 91 points. I thought he might be able to get to 100. Mm. Career highs in goals with 21, assists, obviously 70, and then points. 21 goals, second amongst uh, blue liners. McCarr's got 27. (laughs) Three to go. Come on, Kale. All hail. He's missed some time, too. 91 points for Yossi. He's the first, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, first blue liner to hit 91 since Ray Bork 
93-94. That's some good company. Hall of Fame, if you need him. He is the ninth defenseman to ever hit 91 points in a season. Of those nine, seven are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Who's the other? Who would be the two? One's Yossi, and who would be the other guy that has put up 91? Did Mike Green hit 91 in that wild year where he had 30 goals? What about Duchesne? Steve Duchesne? Because you said he had put up some major points. No, he was an 80. He had the franchise record at 82 for Colorado, 81, didn't he? Hmm. There's a way to do it. All-time Duchesne had 82 points for the Quebec Nordique. And Green only hit 73. It's going to have to be some sort of a, uh, I played on a wagon of a team in the 80s type defenseman. For a short amount of time. That the longevity longevity of my career didn't get me to the Hall of Fame. Okay, I got it right here. All right. Defenseman. He's the first blue liner to hit 70 assists since Brian Leach did it in 95-96. He had a 13-game point streak. He became the first active defenseman to have multiple point streaks of at least 10 games in his career. Has had 12 games this year with at least three points. 24 multi-point games. It happened here. As a defenseman. Now, has it? Okay, so what we're talking about, defensemen who have had 91 points or more in a season, there are nine of them. Yossi is one, leaving eight. Seven are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. One defenseman who is not in the Hall had a 91-point year. And you said it happened here. I think. Hmm. Now I mean, I'm pretty is, sure he's not in the Hall. Is physical Phil Housley in the Hall of Fame? I believe he is. Who had 91 points in the blue line here? You can go back to your Winnipeg days, obviously. He had 97 in Winnipeg in 93. Yeah. 91 points. 87-88, Gary Suter. Hmm. Not in the Hall, is he? I don't believe he's in the Hall well, of Fame. He is. No, McInnes is. McInnes had 103 points as yeah. a flame. Gary Suter plays anywhere else. He's a star. <laughs> but he's got stupid Al McInnes piling up 100-point seasons next to him as a blue liner, ripping a clappers at over 100. No one talks about the guy. <laughs> Gary Suter, he's pretty good. Yeah, but he's no Al McInnes. All right, well, I guess that's it. The list of single seasons for defensemen is pretty interesting. Or coffee, or coffee, or coffee, or, or coffee, coffee. Top 10 seasons of all time, points-wise. 91 points that year, 87, and then really nothing close, right? The next was 76. He had 81. Yeah, he had 81 that's points in 92-93. That's what a career year looks like. Well, you can sneak by it. 70 helpers. Yeah. So I guess the point being... Roman Yossi, superstar. Going to the Hall. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Hall of Famer. A couple of years now, he's been pretty dynamite. You weren't sure that um, of all the D-men they had there, that was the best. You're going to be the best one. But I think at this point, yeah, you got to. Whoever was great. Suter was great. Roman Yossi's doing everything for these guys. He's, uh, he's one of those guys... When you're watching, not so much, you need to put your ISO cam on him. 
to really appreciate because it is the it's the beauty of of his game. So many of the little things he makes it look so easy that you don't really notice them. Oh, the play just died there. Yeah, the play died there, but it had a really good chance of not dying were it not for uh, for Roman Yossi and his ability. His jumping in the play. We talked to Pete Weber yesterday. He'll be he'll jump in, be right at right at the net, scoring chance, leading the scoring chance, and then gets back so quickly and does not look out of position that you don't realize the ability that it takes to accomplish that. And I know that uh, we, we talked about it. There was a time, and obviously unfairly or incorrectly, that he and TJ Brody were kind of of similar age, both very good skaters. Well, these two are uh, very similar. Might they be comparables come contract time? That sort of thing. Not anymore. And it's not a shot to Brody that he hasn't become a 91-point defenseman, but no, it shows you, the, elevated that. Yeah. shows you what uh, Roman Yossi's turned into. TJ feels more like a Noah Hannafin to me. He can play lots of minutes. You probably don't love his offensive de- decision-making, but generally minute muncher that doesn't pile up numbers, but is around and on the ice enough that he'll get his 40 points. Where? just want to find here. Uh, as far as Yossi, what's his? What's he making? What kind of dough? Do Big dough. Just signed him. Nine point zero five nine. Where's number fifty nine? Should have been. Uh, well, yeah. Should be nine five five nine. Because wasn't everybody getting nine and a half million? No, he got this done before that. Come on, Roman. Fire your agent. What do you got? Three percent as an agent? What's three percent of nine million? You do the math. It's pretty like good, right? Lesson. Yeah. So what about the back? The rest of that back end. Matthias Ekholm, there was talk last year, exp- expiring contract, could be a guy moved at the deadline. He signs a, we'll get a nice little raise next year, going up from 375 to 625. Mm-hmm. Dante Fabro, Mark Borvietsky, Matt mm-hmm. Benning, Jeremy Lozon. There's a lot of third pair in there. There is. Which D do you like better, Dallas or Nashville? Well, if they're playing to the potential, Dallas scares you because they got Klimberg and Taskin in, and uh, you know Suter. I think at this point in his career is probably a very nice three, and Lindell's not nothing. I like saying Yanni Hockenpah. You do. So yeah, you I really mean, do. Yeah. But but no, I, I think it's more than that. I think Nashville probably plays with a lot better structure than Dallas does. And it might not just be the the blue line. It might be ethos of the coach or whatever, but. Because of bones? Maybe, maybe not. As we heard last week. I'm uh, looking, they both have allowed the exact same number of goals in the exact same number of games. There there probably isn't a lot to choose between the two, but Yossi's the best of the group, but two and three probably play for Dallas. 25 and a half minutes a night for Yossi. 70 helpers, 91 points, plus 13. You think maybe a little higher with. 91 bloody points. Yeah, well, how many empty net goals is he on for? I don't know. Yeah, well, there you go. That's what plus minus blows. Is it? <laughs> is that the Mark Shifley rule? The empty net goals? I read that all the time from... What's the from, Mark Shifley rule? Uh, from Dom. They uh, they hate Mark Shifley because he's on for empty netters. That empty netters cloud just uh, make, make Mark Shifley's numbers look better than they actually are. Hmm. That he has so many points... Goals or assists with uh, no goalie in the net. I haven't read that. Yeah. Um, but we won't know tonight, correct? 
who um, the opponent will be? Or no, is there is there a scenario? But here, here's what we will know. If if Nashville loses and Dallas wins, that's a significant swing towards Dallas because we talked about it. The strength of schedule is so different. Nashville's going to go to Colorado on Thursday. Meanwhile, it's the Ducks and Yotes down the stretch for Dallas. So if Dallas could take care of business against Vegas, they move into the well, I guess they strengthen their case is most likely to play for against the Flames in round one. It's a little better than a coin toss for Dallas right now. If you're a Flames fan, who they're going to play. And I think most of that's just based on strength of schedule. I think they're pretty similar rosters in terms of uh, the groups are tied in the standings, basically. Yeah. They're not that different in terms of how hard they are. They're, you know, very different makeup, but they're, I've said it before. All last couple of weeks, they're in the same bin. If you got to tier the league, they're in the same bin. It's interesting because I hadn't really noticed that goals against Dallas, Nashville, seventy nine games. They've both given up two thirty eight. You would think that the certainly the better goaltender is in Nashville, no question. And I guess the better one through six defensively is in Dallas. Two through six, certainly. Yeah, two through six. <laughs> That's probably fair. Uh, but you would have thought well, Dallas has used five goalies, right? Like yeah. it's it's been crazy there. I guess not five because Bishop never played. But Bishop started the year there. Hadobin played his way down to the minors, then was hurt, shut down. Holtby, fine till he was hurt. Ottinger, okay, we need you now, and we need to back up there, Scott Wedgwood. I hope we get big save Dave tonight. Haven't seen Big Save Dave in a long it's time. It's been a couple of years, right? When's the last time we saw Big Save Dave? Wow! Right? I looked. He made his second home start the other day. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, Daryl was doing Vladar dirty, but then you see two I for know, Dave. Right? Holy! That John Hines. He's... Well, John doesn't isn't sitting on a Y next to his team in the standings. <laughs> he's still got to play his guy. <laughs> Frank Valley's our NHL insider. Joins us next. Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan. Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. Guests on the program join us on the hotline for Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For every dollar you spend, you can earn points towards free pizza with their rewards program. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, it's Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Flames talk coming up just after nine. Rick Ball, play-by-play voice on Sportsnet Television. Live from Nashville. Yeah. Good to see those boys back. Boots on the ground in Nashville. Love it. Adnan Verk going to join us next hour, our MLB insider. But right now, for South Trail Exports, inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. NHL insider, Frank Saravelli. Frank, good morning, man. What's happening? Just this, just a pretty decent slate of NHL games tonight. Yeah, lots on, uh, lots up for grabs. So better than yeah. last night's cellar dwelling <laughs> matchup between two teams that probably need to be overhauled. You mean the Raps and Sixers game? No, not that one. Yeah, you know what? That, <laughs> That's the only thing I was watching last night. Yeah, how'd that go? How's that going over in uh, in Philly? Well, hang on. I think there's a little background here because uh-huh. were, were you know I saw you and McAuliffe tweeting at each other. There's some there's some background here. I think you may have had a hot take yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I was made a little Tim and Friends appearance, and 
may or may not have held up a Sixers jersey at the beginning of the hit and said Sixers by 20. May or may not have. Hmm. Well, they led 2 nothing. I know. Harden That's got that 20, early bucket. Two nothing, yeah. 20, so it was 2-zip, <laughs> and then uh, they didn't lead again. Uh, I was close to getting the 20 right, just yeah. not the right team. That's were, you, all. were you one of the 76ers fans that was leaving the building with 20 minutes left? Oh, boy. No. No, no I didn't go. Is that a hard? I was on my couch, firmly, firmly indenting my couch. Yeah. So was that is that a hard ticket, or is it? Are people kind of waiting for round? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's an expensive ticket, and the way the Sixers blow series leads, uh, it may be the only round. So you you want to get in the building. Hmm. It did not look like it was going to go six, let alone five, after the first two games there. As well, Embiid manchild the Raptors. Yeah, that that OT three felt like the dagger in the series because the Raptors could have won that, that thumb thing. Is, yeah. He hasn't looked the same since with that thumb. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, you hate to see it. Yeah, what a shame. Yeah, <laughs> you hate to see it. Uh, but yes, no, it was so you were not watching the Chicago Blackhawks uh, Flyers game last night. Which uh, we talked about it this morning. C- credit to the Flyers, twenty regulation wins. That's more than Chicago sixteen. So Oof. I guess they're ahead of the Blackhawks. Yeah, it is big. So when when does Chicago have the real look in the mirror moment with their new GM and I guess everyone else that has to be involved when it's two franchise icons? Like walk us through that. I would guess sooner rather than later. I mean that conversation probably needs to be had especially going back to Jonathan Taves' comments sort of in and around the trade deadline. When Brandon Hagel was traded, I think, at least publicly, that was the realization for Jonathan Taves that, you know, the glory days have been over for a while, but thinking that the Hawks are still going to be in playoff contention mode for the next number of seasons, let alone Taves' final year of his deal next season – um, you know, I think there was that realization there that that ship has sailed. Kyle Davidson has made it really clear in terms of what he'd like to accomplish. This is a complete tear it down to the studs rebuild. And it involves way more than just Jonathan Taves. Um, you know, I think there's a larger conversation to be had with Patrick Kane, and he certainly seems more open, at least publicly, to the idea of sticking around for the long haul. And he's one of those guys that you look at his style of game I think he's eminently capable of being a really productive player in this league, you know, basically up to age 40. He's not one of those guys, I think, that's going to have an enormous, you know, age curve drop off. But what does that mean for the rest of the group? I think there's going to be a lot of attention and focus this summer to preview it on Alex DeBrinket coming off a 40 goal season. Um, I, I think the one guy that the, Chicago Blackhawks really want to build around and view as a future franchise pillar is Kirby Doc. There's some other decent players along the way, but their goal is to acquire and accumulate as many difference makers as they can. And that's really been the reason why they haven't stacked up so well in the West the last number of years is the list is short in terms of players that truly have a lot of talent and are difference makers. Don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I just called up. I'm looking at the Flyers situation here in terms of their salaries and structures and where they're moved, where they're headed. Now they didn't have Ryan Ellis. He's kind of a forgotten guy. He did not play at all for them really this year. Sean Couturier missed a bunch of time. I didn't realize Couturier's de- his new raise is kicking in next year. Uh, oh yeah, that's seven point seven five. 
is there it's not really the flyers way you don't really like you say strip it to the studs but it feels like they could and that maybe they should but how do you uh how do you see this offseason specifically uh playing out for the flyers well first it would be a way tougher teardown than the hawks you know you look at if you wanted to move kane you could get a lot for him Taves, not so much um, but it, there's only one year left on his deal. And, you know, they'd have to pay to brink it this summer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the Flyers, with these long-term deals, with all the time remaining on Ryan Ellis's contract, I mean, he's got five years left. Sean Couturier is about to start an eight-year deal, um, and he's a guy that turns 30 in December. It, it's... It would be extremely difficult to do. They just signed Rasmus Ristolainen to that longer-term deal. Um, you know, Kevin Hayes still has four years left on his contract. Cam Atkinson, three. Travis Konechny, three. It, it's, it's almost impossible to really tear it down if you're in Philly, which is why their president and, and CEO of Comcast Spectacore, Dave Scott, came out and I'm still baffled a little bit by the words that he used. He said, Chuck Fletcher will have a, quote, blank check this summer. And I guess it sounds sexy and appealing because he said this is not going to be a rebuild and made that clear. But that's not how you build for success in the NHL. You can't buy your way. This isn't 2003 when you can go sign a bunch of talented free agents in Philly and, and spend a ton and I'll spend your peers to have a really good team. It just doesn't work that way anymore. And even though the free agent class for some players may be appealing, um, you know, to open your checkbook, it's not going to make your team that much better in an instant. And so that's, that's really the concerning part is how do the Flyers game plan this out? Who stays, who goes? And how do you have your team take a giant jump when – they've kind of used all of the pieces in their pipeline already in terms of their prospects. There's not a lot left before three, four years ago. It was like, Oh, we're building for the future and we're waiting to get all these guys here. The guys that are going to make it have arrived. And those that aren't, aren't. The other thing is that they don't have much cap space at all. We're, we're looking at like less than nope. 7 million bucks. Like they can't go out and chase Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, they, they, they could, if they try and move another player, I'm sure like, here, here's the thing that's interesting about the Flyers and what Chuck Fletcher, I believe, was setting up before the deadline. He had engaged in a number of conversations with teams around the league about some players that have term and are a bit on the younger side. Guys like Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, um, they feel like or felt then like transactions that would wait until the summer. And if you think back to the moves that he made in his first summer as Flyers GM, he had a lot of similar conversations at the deadline to sort of set the table for what happened in the summer. So if that's any preview, um, I would expect the Flyers to be moving some pieces around in order to try and create some flexibility. Mm. Quick question, because I, we, there's the Sean Monaghan situation here where it's, you know, it, it's a big name, it's a big contract. James Van Reems, like 23 goals this year, one more year at $7 million before UFA. Do, is he a guy that brings you assets, or do you need to package assets to move out his seven million? Hmm. Um, I would have said before this season that he probably you probably need to package assets in order to move the seven million. But now with one year left, 
if you're maybe able to eat a million or two, you could probably get a pretty decent asset in return if he's in the five million range. And he's, you know, going to be giving you 23, 25 goals. That's pretty much market rate, I would think. And for a guy that keeps himself in really good shape and condition. And he is what he is, right? I, he's not a checker. He's not rugged. But, nope. he, but he's a power play guy, like you said, that can score 20 in the league. And he, those guys still do have value. And he does it with, without a lot of flash, but pretty much guaranteed consistency. I mean, even going back to last season... 17 and 56 that's another 20 plus goal season way more than that over 82 so i don't know he just does it year after year and doesn't get a lot of fanfare although i think the flyers wish they probably were getting more towards the 36 end of his uh last year before free agency than the 20 or 25 that they've been getting what can you tell us about uh, the stress levels in Pittsburgh and Washington? Ovi day-to-day, Penguins been missing the goaltending that was so good for them in the first half of the year, and they're battling to try to not have to go to play Florida in round one. Yeah, it's funny. I mentioned that on Twitter the other day, and, and the fan reaction was like, what do you mean avoid Florida? We want Bobrovsky. I'm like, huh? Have you guys watched this Florida team at any point this season and the way in which they score goals? Mm-hmm with two teams in Washington and Pittsburgh that have goaltending question marks. Obviously you mentioned Tristan Jari week to week with his injury and the caps haven't been sold or solid on their goaltending pretty much all season long. So it is a battle to avoid Florida. Um, And, you know, you look at it right now, Washington with three games to play Pittsburgh with two and the way that Washington has played over these last six weeks or so, I actually think Washington is a bit of a dark horse in the East on that metropolitan side of the bracket if they can remain there instead of crossing over to the Atlantic because I I never envisioned saying this after the way that they played from Thanksgiving to March and the trade deadline, but since then, it's basically like that team has been totally different since Anthony Mantha returned. He's given them a real shot in the arm. They've played great hockey. Ovi's back to doing Ovi things. Um, you know, hitting that 50 goal mark. And I think he was on a run of 17 goals in 20 games again. And I don't know if I'm the Rangers, I'm not looking forward to playing the caps in the first round. Yeah. What about Carolina? What do we know about their goaltending? Ranta went down the other night and already Freddie uh, Anderson was out. Yeah. It seems like some good news for the, for the Canes over the last 24 to 48 hours, the Ranta injury and the reason he left the game appeared to be more precautionary. Um, Apparently there was some cramping going on there and they left the net to Peter Kachetkov to get some more experience and, and some more stops at the NHL level. We know the Canes goaltending has been thin after Ranta and and Anderson all season. They've been struggling to get guys that can play uh, in that third spot. And I think they feel pretty comfortable with Kachetkov. But um, moving forward with Anderson, it seems like the hope is that he'll at least be ready for game one, round one, as he continues to work towards uh, healing up. So Vegas, Dallas tonight, the Golden Knights season is on the line. A regulation loss eliminates them. Um, We don't know how this ends. They're certainly huge uh, dogs to get in at this point, three back. But uh, what would the repercussions be or maybe just size up the state of the Knights here? 
pretty significant repercussions, I would imagine. And I, I think even if they were to get in, I think there's probably a day of reckoning that's coming for the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's not just Coach Pete DeBoer, but also Kelly McCrimmon in terms of the culture of that team and, and what's going on there, how they've gone about building it, and really the state and status of the franchise moving forward. They've chased every shiny toy out there that it's created this environment, I think, within the locker room that guys are looking over their shoulder. Who's the next guy to go? How quickly will, you know, if Marc-Andre Fleury can be traded for nothing and be given no dignity or honor on the way out in terms of his contributions for the franchise, finds out about it on Twitter, everyone else is in line for the same sort of exit at some point. And that's been the real eye-opener for players there. I think there's been a lot of stress and strain on the relationship between DeBoer and McCrimmon specifically. And I, I just think back to the night the the Golden Knights were named and, you know, Bill Foley, their owner, standing there, not just his sort of ridiculous uh, quest to win a Stanley Cup within six years, and we all kind of laughed, and then they get to the final that first year, and they did everything right. And since then, it feels like they've done everything wrong to the point where they've become the NHL's heel, you know, this team that is sort of the villain. And we all love villains. It, it makes for a juicy rivalry. It makes for a juicy story. But I think there's real concern there about the other part of what the Golden Knights were building, you know, this sort of, you know, spirit and, and, and vision of honor and the Golden Knight never backs now, never retreats. All those things that Bill Foley was saying, it feels like they've lost their way, hmm. you know, off the ice with the way they've treated players. And it's not just Flurry. Look at what's gone on with Leonard and the way that they threw him under the bus in the last few weeks. The things that that guy played through in the last number of weeks, the torn labrum in his shoulder that I reported on back on February 15th, the fracture in his leg right up to his knee. I believe it was a fractured tibia. To play through that, to be pulled by your coach last week, and to be told publicly to the media that Robin Leonard is, quote, healthy and well-rested, that's mm -hmm. ugly. I'm sorry. Like, that's just not how you treat players, not how you treat people. And people close to the game, in the game, they all see it. They all read it. They all hear it. And I think there's some serious concern there moving forward about how that franchise operates. That's off the ice. On the ice, a team that's potentially or likely to miss the playoffs has no cap space, has no prospects, and has no draft picks. It's a pretty tough state of affairs for the Vegas Golden Knights. So how would it be, though, if they were healthy? This Because you're right on all that. But I wonder if they were in first or second in the Pacific, if that would be enough to not worry about the cultural issues or if those cultural issues are only magnified because of what the injuries have done to this roster. Because when they're healthy, they're a playoff team. This isn't like, a well, they weren't good enough. Their man games lost might be the worst in the NHL in terms of good players. Are they, though? Like, I mean, yes. you know, I, I get what you're saying in terms of, you know, the issues and injuries with Stone, with Pacioretty. Like, there's no guarantee that Stone is healthy to play next. Like, this back issue, this back injury, I don't know if it's ever going away. I just, my he, point would be this. He may be a is legitimate that... 
I, I think they're a top three team in the Pacific, no sweat if they're healthy all year, or at least have a normal amount of injuries, not like everyone you've heard of missing significant time. Um, but I also agree that I think culturally they, they, they have lost their way. So I just wonder how would we be talking about them if they were in second and slated to play a home ice game next week? Like, I feel like we wouldn't be talking about this. Well, you may be right, but the other, like I said, even if they make the playoffs, the day of reckoning is coming, I think. Um, the, the part of it is what we can't determine is how much would what's going on culturally there and in their mix and their chemistry being affected by what's happening there. Yeah. Like that can also bring a team down too, not just injury. It could be the mix of both injuries and that that's causing their lack of success. Frank Saravalli is our NHL insider with dailyfaceoff.com. Talking about careful what you wish for. I think for Maple Leaf fans, once it became apparent they had a very good team this year, they were going to get to the playoffs, it was just don't give us Boston. Please, no more Boston, no more Demons. Let's get away from that. And it looks now that they're going to get Tampa Bay in round one, and Tampa Bay looks as formidable as they ever have. They, they've turned the corner. They've been blowing teams out. This, this could be the worst thing that could come for the Maple Leafs. And I, I don't know that if they were to lose in round one, man, it feels like there's going to be no shame in losing to that team. But is there going to be patience in Toronto to look past the scenario that exists and, and still appreciate you're a 50-win team? I think so. I mean, you, you said it. There's no shame in losing to the lightning if that's what ends up happening. But mm-hmm. I think either which way, the Leafs are, and I know fans out West and in Calgary are gagging when I say this, the Leafs are appointment television for the playoff run because either they're going to bow out in the first round and the drama is going to be there, the demons are still going to exist, and there's going to be lots of question marks, to your point, heading into the summer. And I personally you know, they're dealing with a backlog. They're dealing with, you know, in terms of the Atlantic division, they're dealing with a lot of what the flames had to battle through in the eighties. You know, how many times, how many, you know, cracks do you need? How many kicks at the can before you can finally break through like in 1989? Um, I think they're, they're a good team. They have some flaws. I think a lot of teams have flaws. Um, Their goaltending is a significant question mark heading into the playoffs and the summer. But if somehow they're able to slay the dragon this year and knock off the lightning in the first round, hence the appointment television, then it makes the second round all that much more interesting. Weight off your shoulders, playing with house money, now likely squaring off against the Florida Panthers in the second round, which you know, they're, they're going to be an underdog in each of their first two series, no matter what. But all of a sudden, it becomes the dynamic becomes a little bit different in the second round, and it changes the narrative around the team, and I think resets things heading into the summer and next season. I know we do this every year, and I remember specifically and vividly sitting in this chair last year, looking at the playoff matchups and feeling like with the parity that exists now, is there even such a thing as an upset? And there might be one or two. But looking in the, in the West right now, Minnesota-St. Louis, round one, neither team has lost in regulation in two weeks. One of them's going home, and you need to have that, 
that sober ability to let emotion play itself out and decompress and then look at how strong your team is, but you're a victim of the parody that exists right now. It's so true. And that said, I still think there will be some, there'll be some real upsets. You know, I'm not saying there will be, I'm saying if it were to happen, Colorado losing in the first round would be a massive upset. Yeah. I think Calgary losing in the first round would be an upset. Although I would say that, especially given the way those teams played last week and also really curious to see how the matchup goes tonight. I think that series with the Preds is going to be closer than people might imagine. Um, Florida losing in the first round would be a giant upset. Everything else is more or less, you know, if it's not a coin flip, it's 53, 47 or 55, 45. It's that close, man. And Like, the Colorado one's crazy. Imagine if it was somehow Vegas that got in and all that skill just finally, like, that. Like you, you do all that work in the West and your treat is, oh, this is the team everyone thought was going to win the Pacific and they added Eichel since then. Like that, I, just love I don't the think they're going to get them, yeah. yeah, I love the mind games from Daryl Sutter along the way. Waste of eight days. Like, that is one of the quotes of the year, the way that he's been pumping up the abs in the West. Yeah, and he's done the same with Vegas and Edmonton in division. Anytime they face those clubs, he goes out of his way to talk about, these are the teams. These are the teams that should be the best in the division. Um, and he'll say that are the best, regardless yeah. of what the win totals are. They're yeah, the best and, teams. And yeah. make no mistake, when, whoever they play in round one, whether that's Dallas, Nashville, or somebody else, we will guarantee here on this station, Boomer and I, that he will say, <laughs> we're the underdogs. This group's never won anything. And look at these guys here. Dallas beat us in the bubble. Nashville's been here eight times in a row. This group's just learning how to win. We're underdogs. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. Yeah, it's 100%. I just keep trying to find this Daryl Sports book where he sees them as dogs. I want to capitalize. I need that plus money. Yeah. No. It's that's yeah, oh well, yeah, that'd be amazing to find that those kind of odds, but that's it's it's so classic, right? Like it that's how uh, you know, a coach goes about pumping up his team in terms of where they're at. We won't talk to you until next Tuesday by then regular season done, playoffs begin. Do you expect anything? Because I think a couple weeks ago I asked you about coaching changes, potential. It was a uh, third of the leagues, guys. Are yeah, up. you talked about Winnipeg, maybe Detroit, uh, some other spots. Uh, do we expect coaching changes by next week? Or like, there again, decompression, reevaluate, and then wait and see? No, I'd expect a whole whack of coaching changes this weekend as the league goes dark. Saturday, Sunday, no games. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'd imagine it would be a bloody Sunday. Is that right? Jeez. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's yeah. my guess. why let it linger. You know what you're doing. Teams have made up their mind in a lot of cases. The and news cycle is a lot less fierce on a Sunday or Saturday. Get it out there. Get it over with. And one of them likely not to be Martin St. Louis, right? Has he done enough there? Uh, yeah, I right? think the ball's in his court. He He's going to decide whether he wants to work next season or not. And as their team has had, they got the St. Louis bump to start. What's really going to be interesting is to see, does he think that he has a chance to win with this group? You know, what does the summer look like? What does the future hold for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and the moves that they're going to make? What are they going to tell him to try and convince him to come back? Is it the same story for Boudreaux in Vancouver? Because he's done a whale of a job. You look at that team where they were at when Travis Green went away and the push they've had. I mean, I've been thoroughly impressed. Yeah, it's pretty similar, although a little different. Um in the sense that he has the option year. Um, 
I don't know why there seems to be so much talk and conversation about it. My guess is if he thinks that he has an opportunity to win and based on the 55 or 60 game sample size that they've had since he took over, I don't know why he wouldn't think that that team could, you know, firmly be a playoff team next season that, you know, I'd expect him to be back. I can't imagine that the Canucks given not just his popularity in the market, can you guys think of a place that's had a coach that popular? Um, I, I chance in his name. Quenville. Yeah. 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 Joel Quenville in Chicago. That's it. That's the only guy. And that's after three Stanley cups that, you know, is that in tune with the market and also just the actual success that they've had since he's the fact that we were even talking playoffs and it's the last week, the last four days of the season and the Canucks are still up mathematically alive. Mm is insane given where that team was at in November and December. And they fought like dogs on the weekend against Calgary. Yeah. That was a 2-2 game. They were you know they they were being outshot outplayed for the most part, but still they had a chance there. And Elliot talked about it in the commercial break. There are a few teams that are out there that are still kicking and scrapping and and Vancouver is one of them. There's a lot of coaches that would love to see their team play with that kind of emotion at the best of times. Yep. And that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the fact that that buy-in exists, given where they were, and I don't know. They still got some fighting to do for me. I took the uh, Canucks this season over 88 and a half points. I need two more, guys. It's all about me. Ooh. It is all about you. You're right. But at least you, you recognize that, so that's good. Hey, Frank, great stuff today, man. Appreciate you. We'll talk in a week. Enjoy uh, the wrap-up here and the start of the playoffs. Sounds good, guys. Take care. You bet. Frank Saravelli, NHL Insider, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. SouthTrailExports.com. We break. Hour three. We'll react to uh, some of that. There was a lot in there. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.